Welcome to episode number 23 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you find a career you love, start a business, and make a bigger impact in your life. I'm Justin Gordon, your host and an MBA student in the class of 2020 at the USC Marshall School of Business. Had my hand in entrepreneurship and business since 2012 when I launched Just Go Fitness and now with Just Go Grind. In this episode, we have Eric Huberman, who's the founder and CEO of Hawk Media, one of the fastest growing marketing agencies in the United States. Hawk Media, which is based in Santa Monica, launched in 2014 and serves over a thousand brands of all different sizes from startups all the way to companies like Red Bull, Verizon, and Alibaba. Eric was named a Forbes 30 under 30 and also included in Inc. Magazine's top 25 marketing influencers. He also grew and sold two different e-commerce companies before starting Hawk Media. He's done a lot of different things. And in this episode, we discuss some of Eric's earlier entrepreneurial ventures, how he started Hawk Media, how to choose which ideas to pursue, and there's so many different ideas out there for businesses, the problem with MVPs, minimal viable products, there's some issues with that, we discussed that, why digital agencies are so bad, because most of them just aren't that great, only a small, small percentage are actually doing great work. What makes Hawk Media an outsourced CMO and how they came up with that kind of moniker? The latest trends in marketing? How Eric got involved with venture investing? Masterminds and where Eric goes to learn? And so much more. This episode is jam-packed. As always, the show notes are at jessicogrind.com slash podcast. In iTunes or Apple Podcasts, you can go support the show by subscribing and leaving a rating or review. I very much so appreciate that. Without further ado. Here's Eric from Hawk Media. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, got connected because of USC. You came and spoke to a marketing, not class, but marketing like organization we had event. Mm-hmm. And I uh, really appreciated the time there. Had a bunch of insights on Hawk Media and your whole career. Um, of course, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into some of those things. So sure. here we are. And we'll get into Hawk Media. But first, I wanted to start with before that, you had a couple different entrepreneur ventures. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about some of those specifically? I think we can go back a little way. Yeah, I was going to say. I'd say the first one had to do with me being six years old and uh, stealing a bunch of things from my parents and throwing them in a trash bag and walking door to door in our neighborhood trying to sell them because I decided I needed to make some money. Um, That was probably the first, I think, real attempt at entrepreneurship. Uh, A couple years later, I wanted an electric guitar. I was eight years old. My dad said, good, get a job. So (laughs) started selling flowers and lemonade on the side of the road. That didn't make me enough money, and I realized that that was, you know, not going to be fast enough. So, found Beanie Babies. The whole hype was generating around them, and started buying and selling Beanie Babies. And within a few months, made a few thousand dollars as an eight-year-old. Jeez! And so went all right, and <laughs> made, bought bought the guitar, bought a BMX, and ended up saving part of it for a car. Yeah. And so that was the original. But in terms of like true entrepreneurship, uh, started my first business during college. I came back to LA and helped a friend build a, a storm drain filtering company called Stormwater Maintenance Company and basically help with our sales collateral, even, you know, jerry-rigged our legal and did everything <laughs> together and uh, launched it, got our first customer and then realized that was not what I wanted to do the rest of my life and it was time to finish college. And since then, I, uh, you know, in the past, since college, I got out, went into real estate exactly a week to the day before the whole banking industry collapsed. Oh, and man. That was awesome. <laughs> what a time. <laughs> yeah, made $350 that year, and I did not stutter. Um, Goodness. And, yeah, it was great. And ended up working on a side project that was an online music company. And 
uh, convinced a friend's dad, not convinced, he was kind of working on it with me. And then we ha- he helped me raise a million dollars for it in 2009, which is a bit crazy. That is and crazy. Yeah, we ended up building it. I got it to profitability after two years, but realized it was never going to be a big business and ended up replacing myself as CEO and moving on, started a t-shirt subscription company, built that for a year and a half, sold it built an activewear brand for a year, sold it, and then started Hawk Media. You know, there's a lot to unpack there, but one of the things I definitely want to go to, I know a lot of people are entrepreneurial, or it's so popular now, entrepreneurship in general, and Mm -hmm. you said you started back, even when you were like six years old, doing other things. Have you, so you've just always been that way, or what even got you back then to start, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I took it for granted. My dad's an entrepreneur. Like, to me, it's like, I I don't know whether it was a story my dad may have told me when I was four or five, or whatever it was, but something in my head triggered that, like, one way making money isn't just about someone paying you to do a job like you can make money in a lot of different ways and i think that at its core has driven me in a lot of these things like it's making you know what most people associate you know making an income with a paycheck from someone else that pays you your salary right and to me that was one way to do it but there were all these other options and to that point you mentioned a few different ventures and i think people especially aspiring entrepreneurs people are kind of curious about it they're not sure which one to pursue? Like, sure. how did that go for you going from one to the next and deciding, oh, I'm going to pursue this idea versus maybe even had other ideas at the time? Like, how did you choose which idea? You know, yeah, I'd mean? say the most relevant version of that is when I was starting Hawk, I was also starting a tea company. Okay. And I launched the tea company as I hired a team at Hawk. So as I was transitioning from consulting to a little bit of an agency. And uh, the first month of the tea company, we did like 25, 30 grand in revenue. The first month of having a team at Hawk, we did. 55 60 grand in revenue mm-hmm. i went yep this one's doing i'm gonna go with this one like it's not that complicated people love to talk about how smart they were and the great decisions they make but you kind of just take the information in front of you and make a decision like yeah. that i think that's the key is just like don't sit around and think about it make whatever your gut's telling you whatever logic's telling you whatever it is pick one go because if you're not going to fully focus on something there's going to be a competitor that is and they're going to beat you you know, I, ta- I had a whole talk with my sales team recently where it was about, like, put in that extra hour or two. And it's not, a lot of them do. But put in that extra hour or two because over time, an extra hour in a day on a normal full-time day is an extra almost 15% of the day. You do that for six months, and you've added a month of work hours in six months. You do you keep going with that. And, like, you end up, you know, with you, you end up with such a gap between you and your next competitor or the person, mm-hmm. you know, that's coming after you. And this is, we're in, capitalism is competitive. So like, that's a big part of it. And so I, I think part of that is making sure that you have that one thing to focus on so that you do put in the hours, that you do put in the work. Yeah, and to that point, there's two examples that come to mind. One was Kobe Bryant mentioned in an interview one time that he would wake up earlier because it just made sense to yep. do an extra workout session every single every single day. And so he said over the course of his career, in two, three years, like no one could keep up with him because he had just done so many more sessions. Yep. And the other exactly. one was the Elon Musk thing. He's talking about early on working in 100-hour work weeks. It's like... Yep. He's just putting in more time than everyone else, and it well, compounds. Over, you know. Yeah, great example of a hundred-hour work week. You're, that means a year into biz- when you're a year into your business, he's two and a half years in. It, like it's just that it is that simple, and it's it's compounding. That's the big thing that people miss is like because now he has the resources of a two and a half year old company in air quotes. Yeah. Um, then he's going to be able to do things that he most people can't do for the next two and a half years. So even if he started working normal hours, then he's going to get to that year three and a half size two years into business. And he's now working that is just as hard as you is you are. Yep. And he's way ahead of you. So you can, you don't have to do it forever, but it's definitely while, you know, you know, what does it make? Hey, while the sun shines, like yeah. when you see things are working and you see that the more effort you put into it, the more you get out, go all in. 
Yeah, and it's not, especially in entrepreneurship. I mean, there's yeah, you could have a job and just work that job and go home in theory, right? Or you could do you go above and beyond, but it applies to anything. But yep. it definitely matters in that in that scenario. Yep. Um, and to the point of Hawk Media, so I want to get to the the start of that. You said yep. you're doing tea company as well. I remember you mentioned that yep. in class as well. But why even the media company? Why was that a part of it? Why yeah. Why were you thinking um, about it? So what happened was, so I left my last company, uh, which was out of Science the Incubator, sort of like Dollar Shave Club. I uh, was a little bitter with how things went there. And so just went to Mexico for a week and came back. And I started getting a lot of job offers because I'd built a reputation of building these successful companies. And people wanted to hire me, which is nice. But I didn't want a job. I didn't want to be reliant on someone else's decision making for my destiny. Kind of a, one of the age old motivators of entrepreneurship. So of <laughs> uh, I t- kept saying no. And then finally I was like, I'll consult, but I'll do it part time. And so the first guy said that too. I was like, listen, I'll consult for you, but I'm not going to work full time. I'll work one day a week at your office because it was out in East LA. And he's like, you're going to work three days a week. And I'm like, fine, but then I'm 200 bucks an hour, which I was making 50 bucks an hour full time at the last company. I pulled the you know, $100,000 a year paycheck. And all of a sudden it went, I forexed my money. Yeah. So which meant only working half the week. I was still making double working half the week. And it was That's like, nuts. so he said yes. And it was like, great. And so then I was working out of his office, helping them. But then I started taking on other consulting clients and building that out. And before I knew it, I'm making, I'm working on my own hours, part-time, not necessarily full-time, kind of hustling, but out in networking. And I'm making 400 grand a year. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is good. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, it was, so six months of that, I hired an assistant, had someone helping me. And uh, I wanted to go, I had planned a trip before this all started to Thailand for three weeks. And I, uh. The, just the, and this is what I mean by it's like more simple than this grandiose plan. I was like, oh shit, if I leave for three weeks, not only do I spend the money on going to Thailand, but I lose the income because there's no way they're going to pay. Like I don't get vacation days with consulting clients. Right. And so I was like, ah, I have an idea. I'm going to hire a media buyer and an email marketer because then they can just pay me the same thing, but they'll get these new services. I'll be like, hey, for the next, you know, for new, Christmas, New Year's time is when it was. I, these guys are just going to focus on building out your media and email plans for the year. And while I'm gone, but it's the same price, I'm not going to change it up on you. And they're like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Like, it's easy. So that's how I hired the first few people. And then I came back and I was like, wow, that was actually really easy. Do you guys want to continue with email and, and strategy, which is I'm providing, but it'll be double the price, but you'll get the execution. Because what I ran into over and over again, why I was hiring these people is through those six months, I try to recommend, you know, recruiters or help them hire people or find agencies. And what I found was when it came time for these companies to execute, it was, there were two options. You hire a team in-house or you hire an agency. And hiring in-house generally is not cost-effective for most companies. That's if they can find and attract talent, which, again, back to the company in East LA, no one wanted to work. Literally, that company, I had like 10 people I was trying to hire, and no one would come. They're like, I don't want to commute there. <laughs> no. they pay me triple and send a helicopter? Yeah, like, right. That was the stuff they were doing. with, and, and so then that's why agencies exist. The problem is 99% of agencies have no idea what they're doing. And the few that are any good tend to get really expensive, want long contracts, high minimums, something that makes them hard to work with. So that's what incentivized me on top of the fact that I was going out on town. Like, I just need to do this myself. And so when I got back, I decided just to build out a small team with all these different expertise and just, and I hated the idea of long-term contracts from when I was a client. So I was like, hey, everything's a la carte, month to month. The idea is it's cheaper than hiring a house, but now you can spin up a team. And so trying to solve that, problem of anybody that's not a multi-million dollar campaign fortune 100 getting good marketing talent yeah and that's what kicked it off and to the consulting point i mean 
even to get to that point of having clients, obviously you knew what you were doing. Where were you learning or where do you learn the skills to, you know, have the strategy, the marketing, whatever it may be? Like where, where'd you learn that in the first place? You know what I mean? Building my own companies. I mean, okay. I had to, you know, I had three digital e-commerce companies and all three I had to build out through marketing, through different sales strategies. And so trial and error, but years yeah. and years of it and doing it successfully for myself. You know, they say you learn a lot from a failure. You learn a lot more from success. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother thing. Fail fast and all this. It's, it's yeah. like, why don't you succeed? Or like, there's a yeah. whole, I don't know how you feel about that. I, I'm on the exact same page. It sounds like, um, I think the idea of like MVP, people miss the idea of viable and just go for minimum product. Yeah. <laughs> it's a minimal <laughs> right. product. And it's like, that's not viable. That's not a product that like people come to us sometimes like a landing page. And they're like, we want to test if this product will sell. I'm like, okay, so sell the product. They're like, oh, no, no, we just want to test the landing page. That's how Zappos started. It's like, I hate those sayings. It's like, yeah, great. Okay, it worked once. Yeah. <laughs> but you, yeah, it's it's insane. If you can make real progress and that, to that point actually make a sale, yeah. that, that's helpful. That's an amazing Well, and committing to your business forces you to make decisions that you won't. Like if you're just testing this idea, if you don't fully commit to solving the problem, then you're going to go, like, let's say you don't get a few sales on your little landing page. You're going to be like, well, this product doesn't work. And it's like, well, no, that's not the case. It could be the way your landing page is set up. It could be the way your position it could be the brand name. It could be a bunch of things. And if you had a stock of products, you'd be figuring it out. But if you just went MVP, quote yeah. unquote, you're not going to spend the effort or time or thought to figure it out. So early on a Hawk Media then, was it just you plus did you have some other employees right away or was it literally just like you with Hawk so Media? It was me for the first three months, then an assistant for three months, and then a team of seven, Okay, which is when we really – I really considered that the start. When you had the team. Yeah, it was just me consulting before that. And then right. we started with a team of seven, and that was – mid-January of 2014. Okay, and that was with a team of seven, so I'm guessing in each different domain, like email marketing, different types of things. Uh, Okay, okay, that makes sense. And then early on then, were you focused more on the sales side of it? Were you just kind of training your team or like how did that go? Yeah, so that's when that first transition happened where like one of the first people I hired was the guy that ran that music company I started and he came in and within two weeks was, I brought him in to do like client communication, strategy, et cetera, because he had run an e-commerce company and after two weeks, because he had to communicate it all, he started managing the team and being like, why didn't you handle your email? Let's do that, you know, and really rolled up his sleeves. And so within a few months, he was my partner in the business. And, you know, more significant, after a year and a half, we talked about it again and made him a more significant partner. And he's my COO and partner in this. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. I know you mentioned briefly that, you know, other agents, you said 98% of agents, agencies don't really know what they're doing. Like, yeah. what do you think that disconnect is? Like, what are they not doing that, you know, maybe Hawk is or other, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'd say legitimately 98% of agencies out there have never built a successful business. So they don't know the nuances. They don't know how they're marketing. They just sell services. And most of the time people start agencies because it's sexy, because they're good at sales, because they're good at convincing people to hire them, but they don't like the results aren't there. And again, that's, I I say that because there are a lot of really ridiculously bad agencies. There's a small amount that are very good. It's not like we're the only ones, but (laughs) they're, most are started by people that have no experience in marketing, that have no experience in building a brand, and they just go out and start these agencies. And Or you even end up with the other side, which is they've built something once, and they use this cookie-cutter approach for everyone they right. talk to. And so they don't know how to think through these things. And so I think that's a challenge with a lot of navigating the ecosystem. Yeah, and it seems like the competitive advantage that you had early on was just that experience from having started yeah. different types of companies and then using that to get your first clients and then consulting with different you know companies as well gave you the experience, it seems like, to move on. Yeah, and the- then, it, then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, at this point, we've grown over 1,100 brands, so we've seen a little bit. So we, yeah. <laughs> we know how to leverage that and go, okay, this is what works, what doesn't, et cetera, and how that's shifting. Yeah, it makes sense. And then another... Uh, 
uh, I think it was a podcast I was listening to during my research for this one was you mentioned like you wanted to double early on. You wanted to double every single year and mm-hmm. have that massive growth. What helped you get to those numbers or just, you know, the type yeah. of growth you've had with Hawk Media has been crazy. Like yeah. what do you think that's contributed most to that? Writing it on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, still, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, it's uh, when you make that your goal, you do everything you can to hit it. And so where like the first year, if I had said the goal is half a million, we probably would have hit half a million. Like yeah. it was just, we would have been satisfied with that. And when we, you know, but instead we made it a million and we hit 1.01 million because like, that's where, that's like it, when we felt like we were falling short, we'd go double down on things that drove in business. We'd figure out how to grow. Um, so we've been able to hit those numbers over and over again, because we're always looking for ways to hit those numbers because again, it's, that's what I mean by like, it's a self, that's why goal setting is so important because without it, it's just going to be what it is and it doesn't really matter. So you're not, it doesn't drive you to make decisions on the business based on that being your goal. And where do you think that like that ethos comes from? Because I know other companies, they could have that incremental, oh, you know, 20% growth is great. You know, we're a young company, whatever, versus, you know, you're having the more audacious goal, I guess. Where does that come from? Have you always kind of been that that mindset or like, yeah. Yeah, just I, I mean, I'm here because I love growing businesses, whether it's mine or someone else's. Yeah. It's a big thing for me. And so, you know, it's not exciting if we're growing slowly. We're growing 20% a year is for me just, it's just, that's that's incremental changes in the business. That's not like big, that gets boring. Yeah. You know, I, I want to see big growth because that also means you're doing a lot of cool new things. And to that point then, what do you think are some of those things that kind of account for that larger growth and, you know, being more explosive with growth versus the incremental things you said, you, yeah. if I do things differently, but what does that mean? Well, you I know? said the pain point And I think that has a lot to do with it is like, now we have some, like I was lucky enough to be credible at the beginning and then build credibility as an agency. And on top of that, we had, you know, so we got people had this pain point. They find there's finally a solution and had a good reputation and there had good on paper reasons to work with us. And then we eliminated any barrier entry. Like it's a pretty perfect storm. Plus the renaissance of entrepreneurship and the sort of gold rush. So <laughs> yeah, combine all that. It's that's, I think, what hit. Yeah, I imagine that only helps your business having entrepreneurship be such a big thing now because mm-hmm. more and more people starting companies, more and more people needing help yep. selling things, whatever. Like, Well, and it's also, and this is still a big part of that, is it's so noisy now. Marketing becomes such a more critical part of business because, you know, it was a factor. But, you know, what we've seen is traditionally CFOs became CEOs and now it's becoming more CMOs are becoming CEOs because positioning and marketing and staying in front of the crowd is becoming harder than managing your finances. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As as it gets busier and busier with entrepreneurs right. and every, everyone needs that as they're on their team. And you are the you know the outsourced CMO. Right. Can you talk about that part of it? Like, you, yeah. Why you got behind that kind of tagline per se? Yeah. Uh, you know, frankly, it was starting. To, it was a buzzword in the CFO community. There was a lot of outsourced CFOs, and I hadn't heard it in CMO. Like, I I don't want to make the again like. <laughs> claim to be some profit here that's where i stole it from and it was the moment i said it i realized you know it sparked people were like oh that's brilliant you know it was like there's immediate reaction to it which is a great way to always type your taglines <laughs> and then i uh i realized what it did was first off digital agency has a bad reputation people hate the idea of it. there's so many bad ones that they end up getting a bad rap um and we all, i also wasn't just digital i was focusing on the full encompassing side of sales and marketing for a company and CMO immediately connoted strategy, high level, you know, a lot of things that I was trying to articulate when we were building our business. And so it wasn't just, oh, yeah, we do Facebook ads. It's like, no, 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 we're your outsourced CMO. You know, we actually come in and really look at a holistic strategy. And we do. We yeah. fulfill on that. And so 
it stuck and it drove the business in a lot of ways too yeah i think i mean is that the differentiator like what separates like hawk media versus other yeah. agencies versus other companies you know I'm that piece has been the biggest a main thing uh, there's, there's other nuances but i'd say the biggest piece is i haven't seen another agency take that approach along with the execution there's strategy consulting and you know business consulting and there's marketing agencies but i haven't seen the combination other than here like both so you guys yeah. basically do it all yeah, yeah both things yeah and, and to the point of growth we talked about growth a little bit, a little bit in, in the beginning but as you've grown and gotten to be a larger and larger company, how does that change how you operate or the challenges you face personally as CEO? Like, how does that change things for you? Con- I mean, it's constant. The job is always new, which is what I like. But uh, our, you know, our challenges are always people. So, you know, this year was bringing on executives to manage this amount of people because my business partner and I can't have a personal relationship with 150 employees. I'd love right. to. They're all we, you know, we have a solid team here of great people, but it's just there's not enough time in the day, and so building that out learning how to bring on this is all new to us like you know as much as we're doing great we've not done this before so right we're building out this team and figuring it out along the way and there's a lot of conversations between my partner and i of like yeah that was my mistake yeah i screwed that one up you know that kind of thing but uh you make you know 100 decisions a day and hope that 51 are right it's yeah like, you know really what you're going for and one of the things I know I, I'd asked this earlier in the when you were at USC, but I think it's important for this podcast itself. Yeah. Um, you know, as you kind of have grown and go about things, how do you go about sharing information, sharing insights? You know, yeah. things you learn across the the whole company. So internal teams have weekly meetings to share their own insights on clients and things like that, and what they're seeing working, where they're having struggles, and help each other out. So there's that. We do what's called weekly wins, where things that are successful across each channel, we share with the whole company and share with our teams. Um, and then we have operations meetings every week, et cetera, to like, hopefully it disseminates a little bit up. Um, I'd say the other way we're figuring out better in terms of communications from my partner and I down, we get a lot of communication our way, but it doesn't necessarily get disseminated the right way, the other way. So, uh, challenge for us but we're working on it and we have a meeting today about it yeah and that's something i only imagine as like big companies or big agencies how they actually you know are learning from that because I mean, everything could be a case study in theory right like every oh, single yeah. every single and we have a person test. almost full-time on case studies so. really yep like uh, your internal case study or like kind of like outside learning from other things too uh internal, internal. Like, internal. not sorry not internal but client client okay yeah. for each and okay yeah. that makes sense so can you talk about the, like, the other sides of marketing, like the different types of, I, mean, I think we mentioned experiential marketing in, in the class yeah. again, like how is that, as, what trends have you seen, I guess, moving forward as you've gone yeah. along, you know? What, what we're seeing is advertising is getting more and more expensive because again, it's the, you know, gold rush of entrepreneurship. So everyone's spending money on Facebook, Google, yeah. TV, radio, blah, blah, blah. And so it all, the costs go up. It's a supply and demand metric. So uh, as that happens, the only way to compete in that space is to create a way to convert customers at a higher rate from awareness and then also uh, increase their lifetime value to increase their purchases, their purchase cycles, et cetera. So they, how we're doing that and the, a couple of the most effective ways, one is email marketing is still super valuable along with life cycle marketing uh, in general. SMS is something that's started to work pretty well, um, but the biggest move that we've had is branded content. So companies building their own content strategies, kind of like Red Bull Media House in a light version uh, yeah. where it's like, it targets their audience, it gets their audience engaged with them, it keeps them engaged. It's not about pushing the product, it's about attracting the audience. Yeah. And so building those strategies out for different companies has been super fun and we've had a lot that are starting to realize they have to. And so it's becoming more accepted that the companies need to do that. Yeah, so it seems like it's like more brand side of it, not just literally direct sales as Correct. well. Or, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, but brand in quotes is also a uh, 
it's basically just building trust with the audience and building more convening yourself from short-term memory to long-term memory and establishing what you stand for all things that you need to do in that sales process so yeah. it's just getting that all done and then frankly with branded content you're engaging your customer above and beyond a purchase decision so you're getting them more engaged more often without them necessarily planning on buying something inherently you're going to drive more sales how many that's the variable but you're going to at some scale drive some amount of sales that are more because you're bringing them in more often than they would have normally come yeah and and for your clients i guess are there are most clients doing some type of like branded content now or is it just kind of you know trending upwards you'd say it's trending upwards i don't i don't want to say most i don't know the actual numbers offhand but uh it's just I'm watching the ecosystem accept it more. It's something that everyone should have been doing 10 years ago. But finally, people people have they love watching input output numbers. Like, how much yeah. did we spend on Facebook? How much did we make? And it's such a hamster wheel, short-sighted way to market. Like, don't get me wrong. You want that as a part of the mix. Clearly. But it's a very narrow way of looking at marketing. And so we're trying to get people to expand more into, like, brand is not a bad word. Yeah, right. And, well, to the point, like, everyone wants to see ROI directly from that. Yeah. I know, like, Gary Vaynerchuk's been a huge proponent of, like, yeah, brand matters. I mean, yeah. One of the things I remember from one of his, like, podcasts or talks was, like, you know, you're not, you're not buying Nike from seeing it in search. You're buying because it's brand. Like, exactly. clearly they built up, and that's a huge example. But yeah. it applies now even more than ever to your point of there being so much competition out there that you have to – do something like how are you going to stand out in that type of way right exactly and that's where content gives you much more of an opportunity for that than a facebook ad and with the content side of things like are how are you using that for hawk media itself not necessarily Mm -hmm. for outside clients but for like that side for growing your company right we do a ton of written content around marketing tips business tips you know uh hiring tips culture tips all sorts of like marketing and or sorry uh content around that because again, it attracts our customer, entrepreneurs. Right. <laughs> so it's basically writing content for entrepreneurs based on what we've learned from the companies we work with and our own. And we write, I mean, many, many articles a week that yeah. we put out on our own blog, on outside uh, public publishers, etc. cetera. Uh, we're constantly generating content around that. And centered mostly on written right now, kind of? Mostly. Okay. We're building out some uh some video content as well. Okay, video and podcast maybe. <laughs> and we are developing a podcast. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, there's so many different channels, obviously, right? And yeah. it's everyone consumes in a different way. And right, like, exactly. I know, uh, back to Gary Vee thing again, like having that pillar content and then funnels down to everything else yep. makes it easier to produce, like yep. that same type of thing, I imagine. Uh, I know you mentioned also in USC about the investing arm of kind of like separate from Hawk, but like how did that get started exactly? Yeah, very simply. Uh, <laughs> I had this... A principle that I inherited from an old coworker that was like, spend my time on risky things, spend my money in things that are conservative. And like, cause you know, well, you'll look back in 20 years and your money will be put away and safe. And no matter what, you know, ups and downs you've had in your career, you've stacked away some money. So that was a great principle. But then like, I think it's been almost four years ago, uh, these two buddies of mine had built an email newsletter and wanted to pivot to e-commerce. And they're like, Hey, we're raising around we want you to invest and i told them i don't invest in <laughs> risky shit yeah and they're nope. like and they're like no 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 no. we're not asking you're gonna invest uh we don't care if it's a small check but you better invest so i put a small check in and that small check's worth i think it's 80 times what i invested damn is that right might be more than that no it's 80 yeah 80 times what i invested yeah and i was like and so when that that it, that's where it is now even a year in i was like well shit should have put more <laughs> money into that and so we started making more investments and so We've now made 12. They've all done pretty well. Okay. Every one of them has done pretty well. We just, we've sold two and uh, maybe selling a third soon for a win. That would be literally one deal that we did that will 
on our entire investment portfolio, it would. Uh, I'm trying to do the math real quick. It would 12x our investment portfolio in one the deal. Whole yeah. Jesus. So in one year. Yeah. So in one year. In one year. That so is insane. Seeing this kind of success, you know, yes, some of it's economic as well, of course, or macro, but a lot of it is because we add such a strategic advantage to companies when we invest. If they're the right type of company that matches up with our client base, what we do, etc that we've realized like there's just a lot of leverage we can pull here where we can actually mitigate a lot of the risk in these startups, assuming the product's good, the founder's good, our team likes the product, our clients like whatever it is, if it's something that complements what we do. Yeah. And so after writing too many small checks, we now want to start writing bigger, bigger. ones, hence raising, raising a fund. Okay. And that, I think you mentioned it was, was like, you want to do 10 investments or was it 10 or? T- uh, no, we're going to do more. more uh, I think we're going to do 20 investments. 20 investments. Yeah. Okay. So that, yeah. And to that point, I remember, um, I think it was like a Tim Ferriss podcast. He used to do angel investing, that sort of thing. It was like he had advantage because he has a big audience and he could obviously yep. show people the product and whatever he, right. he believed in. So yeah. it's like if you have a media company, clearly that applies to a lot of other companies. Yeah, and we have, you know, with this company, we have 330 active clients hiring us for marketing services. If we invest in a marketing software, an e-commerce software, we can spin it out to a bunch of clients immediately. And we've done it. We've done it with a few investments. So yeah. we just sold a company called Rebel Mail to Salesforce. It was shoppable email. And so there was a win and we invested a year ago. So Perfect. Yeah. How do you how do you manage that? I mean, how much time do you have to spend on that versus Hawk Media? I have like, a partner in it. We brought so he's handling it. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm a, I call myself an advisor to my own fund. Okay. <laughs> advisor to your own fund. Yeah. You just don't have to spend much time necessarily. Yeah, it's a couple hours a week probably. But nothing, nothing yeah. too crazy. I want to lead into that uh, that part of things, like how you work and like that sort of thing as well. So what is a typical work day like for you? And I say typical in air quotes yeah. really because, I mean, nothing's really typical. But how? walk me through the day. I'm curious about yeah, your schedule. I mean, uh, in about 7.30 every day, not because I'm a morning person, but because I just need to find more time in the day at some point. Uh, I usually, I mean, I have call, I usually take a call, I'm seven minutes away from work is where I live, so I usually take a call at 7.30, jump in the car and talk on the phone on the way into work and into my office. I'm like, always been a stickler for efficiency, like, I was always, even in college, I was a guy that if I had a drive to make, it was the time to catch up with someone, oh, or like, sure. I hate wasting time, so, uh, yeah, so I line up a call along with my commute in. And then uh, commute. And, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, your, your small, small yeah. dr- drive over. And so uh, definitely start that way. And then it's a mix between in-person meetings and phone calls all throughout the day. I'd say 30% internal executives, 30% clients, potential clients, partners, and 30% expansion opportunity stuff. Uh, again, partners, but also working on the fund, working on opening New York, working on corporate development, like those sides of things. So okay. that's kind of how my time split currently. And every day is different, but that's how it evens out. Yeah. And I mean, how many hours do you think you're working typically when you, t- do you, do you, here's the question. I wonder like, do you have a stopping point? Is it based on work? Cause I'm always curious on how to, yeah. you know, tweak that as well. So I've made the claim of like, yeah, I'm in here at seven 30. I usually get home between six and seven, but half the time, more than half the time I have some event at night that I'll probably go to try to work out four to five times a week if I can. Um, at that time, like six o'clock Around time. time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, but I do end up at a lot of events and then, uh, I get tons of phone calls and emails and stuff <laughs> at night that I take. Yeah. And so, you know, if I were to, I would say I work, you know, 60, 70 hours a week. My fiance would say I work a hundred hours a week because <laughs> the time that I don't necessarily count, like I'm, if I'm sitting on my couch and one of my sales guys call me, I'm not like, well, clock back in. That's another, you know, half hour work. Right. But the truth is it doesn't really, I mean, that's the thing about being an entrepreneur. You don't turn off. You don't get, never. I've had that advice even when I was starting this, like, are you sure you want to do this? Because you don't get to check out at the end of the day. No. And it, but to me, I think 
you don't really get to do that at most jobs anymore. I don't know that that benefit still exists in employee world either. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's very apparent as an entrepreneur. It is 24-7, 365. Right. Like, I mean, it's capitalism, right? If you want to yeah. win, if you want to, someone else is working. Or yeah, it was something. the same thing. I mean, Sunday I worked for six hours and it wasn't, oh, God, I got to do this. It was like, I got a bunch of shit to do. I don't want to start the week off underwater. Yeah. And again, if I get all this done, I just, you know, I'm that much further ahead. Yeah. So. And and to the, the health and fitness side of things, like, how do you decide how to make time for that or, you know, how much time you're going to spend on that? Obviously, yep. you could work on business all the time. Like, yeah. how do you manage that side of things? It's all prioritizing. Like, yeah. I, you know, I prioritized work for five years and was like, I'm focused. And like, I still worked out two, three days a week on average, but it wasn't enough. And I ate whatever the hell I wanted. And, <laughs> you know, you get to a point and that's it's been recent where it's like, screw this. I'm going, I, you know, I'm working out, you know, five times a week. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to take care of myself. And the laps won't really hurt me, but I'm 32 now. If I keep going this way, that's when it gets into problems. That's when you end up with severe health problems because of not taking care of yourself. So jumping on it early is super important. But the nice thing is before I started Hawk, I was in really good shape. So let it go for a few (laughs) years, but it's not like it's impossible to get back to. Yeah. And and I saw too somewhere like you're big into snowboarding as well. Uh, How often do you go there? Like Uh, the past years have been kind of, and this year too is looking insane. Um, yeah, I got 25 days on the mountain two years ago, 20, 20, I think, last year. And this year, even with my wedding coming up, I think I'm already booked for 18, 19. Really? Days. Yeah. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. I, does your fiance snowboard or ski or anything? Yeah. Ski? She's a really good skier. Okay, that's helpful. But she she's on one of those trips. <laughs> she's on one of the, yeah. uh, you know, some separation. Is a, yeah, yeah. Is no, a, no, sorry. She's on two of those trips. Two of the trips. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm speaking at a conference in Banff, which I okay. say yes to very many ski conferences. And then uh, there's an entrepreneur trip I do every year and go heli skiing with a bunch of Canadian entrepreneurs. Perfect. It's awesome. Yeah. Have you been to Summit Series or is it Summit yeah. Series? I'm sure that was going to say. Yeah, we almost built a home on the mountain. Decided really? to pull out because it just got really expensive for construction up there. But It's in yeah. Utah, right? Yeah. It's an yeah. awesome mountain. I'll, I'm sure I'll make it out there. I don't have any plans yet, but yeah. I'm trying to find a weekend to get down there. Try to make that happen. Yeah, it's a good mountain. It's fun. Yeah, and, that, and it seems like that type of thing, too. Like, the guys who started, obviously, are very entrepreneurial oh, and yeah. whatever. So it's like that. Yeah, they're great if you can. Point. They're good guys. Yeah, I, I think I heard about um, one of the recent books I read was The Third Door, and this guy had yeah, met all these different people. Again? Alex Banan, Ban- yeah, and then Elliot Biz now is the, yeah. is the guy for Summit. Yeah, yeah, he mentioned that type of thing. Well, and Elliot also helped his dad start a company called BizNow Media that yeah. they just sold for, I think it was $50 million. Yeah, so a that was years ago. Wasn't yeah, it? and that, he started it out of his dorm room as his dad's sales guy to help his dad sell his blog posts he was making. Now they do like 400 events a year around the world in terms of, it's the biggest commercial media, real estate media company. Yeah. And they just sold it. So Summit Series wasn't even his big liquidity event, which is interesting. And that cool. is nuts. Yeah. I mean, and that, BizNow Media started as a newsletter, like you were saying, like, as a new, literally a newsletter for like yep. real estate, whatever, like, and it grew into that such a massive thing. Like, you just never know. To your point of just getting started and making yep. progress, that's what happens, you know. Yeah, you no, that. exactly. You don't, like, the only time we tried to anticipate something here is at the beginning of this year, we thought we, we hired a whole marketing team. We were like, that's it. We're turning it up. We're going to grow like crazy. And we anticipate a bunch of growth, so hired ahead of it. And we, the, our, we are, there were marketing missteps. We didn't grow as much as we thought we would. We also overspent on marketing compared to the growth. We then hired people, so our overhead went up, and we didn't catch up to it in growth. Yeah. And it put us in a really tough spot You know, in the earlier this year. We got out of it, 
but like the only major problem and major stress point in the entire history of the company was self-inflicted because we're like we're gonna get ahead of it <laughs> like just reaction is an okay thing yeah uh one of the things too with that we mentioned like summit series and these yeah. things you have was it hawk fest is yeah. it called how'd that start yeah i wanted to do it since we started so we do like a monthly e-commerce meetup where i just bring some people together now it's usually anywhere between you know 75 and 150 people come out once a month and uh at some point i was like there's not really a good event i was going to all these different conferences and trade shows and there wasn't an event where it was like just a lot of senior people sharing information talking to each other speaking to each other and uh basically learning having fun networking but with people you know everyone around you is doing something interesting as well because that's the issue you run into is like a lot of these trade shows and conferences invite a lot of entrepreneurs and guys just getting started and that's not a problem but it's there's that that doesn't do much for the people that are like, you know, Mike Dubin from Dollar Shave Club telling a bunch of people how he got started doesn't help Mike Dubin. Right. And so finding a way to help these more senior people was something I really wanted to do. And so once we got to the point that I could stomach the idea of spending a lot of money on a event <laughs> if we didn't raise sponsorship, right? Uh, we decided to pull the trigger and do it. And that was two years ago. Okay. Uh, and both have been very successful. Um, we do it every year and we're already working on next year, which I'm really excited about. So what does that look like? Is it like invite only then? Is it like, yeah. okay, invite People only. People can apply. Can but, apply to be yeah. to be accepted in it. Okay. Correct. But it's definitely invite because, yeah, we really make sure the people there are people that should be there. Do you cap the number of people or how does that? How do I, I mean, there's just a venue limit and we do okay. keep it small. I was uh, 200 last year, 300 this year. So, okay. But like this year we had 300 RSVPs and 285 show up. So like. It's serious about who we're bringing in. Wow. 300 people. So are you trying to have more, like a different venue? Are you doing a different venue next year and yes. more people? Okay. So no, probably not more. I actually, different venue. I know the venue. I'm not going to say it yet, no, that's but fine. it's a cool ass venue that it, we have an amazing head of events that found the venue. Um, but I don't know what the capacity is. And for me, it's less about increasing the size. I don't, that's not really the goal. It's just making sure it's great. Yeah. Like it's, to, you know, I, I'd rather people be begging to get in then just keep opening it up and opening it up to everyone yeah yeah and what i mean what's your how did you initially find those people just through clients like of yours you'd work with and like like for attendees yeah for attendees my network i mean i've been doing this now for 10 years i have you know we've invested in some of the biggest companies in la we're from friends with some of the biggest companies and so like just getting them out and then tapping our partners that also have a lot of these big guys so like you know we're a big partner to shopify and to clavio and all these companies and asking them to sponsor but also bring in their connections and so that's helped too and so what roughly when's the time frame for the next one uh it's whatever the first thursday of october October first thursday of october Okay, so. I think October third of next year. It's a, yeah, but first Thursday of October. Okay, so people know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can try try to apply and see if you can get in. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Um, one thing I'm wondering too it was you know have you prog- progressed through your whole career here? Like now, what where are you going to learn to? I, mean, I think you mentioned like Shoe Dog being a good book of yeah, different podcasts. Like, That's like amazing. That book, yeah, yeah. Like where, but where do you go to learn? What any books or resources suggestions you have for people? Books, not really. I actually don't. F- take the time I, I, I this is a good lesson from my fiance i used to say i don't have the time and she's like you don't make the time like just be real but i don't make the time to sit down and read that often i'll do books on tape sometimes especially when i used to have different types of commutes etc but now i book so many phone calls and stuff i don't uh i really like i, I don't want to say masterminds because there's a lot of really shitty ones out there but sure. there's some really good masterminds where you just spend a couple days with a lot of really smart people and shoot the shit i also like just try to I, YPO has been incredible. Um, I have a, I don't know, like the YPO structure is that known, but you spend once a month with a group of anywhere between you know six and ten people, laying out all your personal, professional, and family shit, fully confidentially. But you like 
you all go in on it so it's like mutually assured <laughs> destruction where like you all know way too much about each other to say anything but yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is actually really nice from a trust perspective yeah but it allows literally once a month i go in and like whatever's dealing with currently talk about it and it's you to join ypo you have to be doing over 12 million in revenue okay. so we're we're above the bottom when i joined we were close to that bottom threshold and so basically everyone around me is way more successful than i am and you know we're moving up now but still a lot of these guys have been through it or they're just smart guys that can talk through it and so you end up with a pretty good you know advisory board through that and then i have i've always built my own network of advisors depending on what it is like you know i have my guy that i call for like sales and marketing chops that like from a b2b perspective because they have the 24th fastest growing company in the country on a b2b perspective (laughs) it's snack nation selling snacks i admire what they've done i think they're awesome and they're just also great guys and so their partner and cmo i mean his process for sales is polished and so he came to Hawkfest and spoke i interviewed him recorded it and i've circulated around our entire marketing and sales team ourselves and been like this is what you're fucking doing from right now on and exactly. so building towards it but yeah that gives you to give you an idea like that's something we're doing um but that's the so i built i get it from a lot of people not necessarily because by the time it's published in a book it's usually a year out of date yeah that's the problem with it and that's why someone mentioned oh, i think it was gary v again but he was like yeah i hate writing books because they get outdated as soon as they're published like yeah because you know, new things come out it's like yep. Watch what, watch what I'm doing, not to say what I have in the book, because it changes so fast, especially in this industry and with like tech and everything. It changes quick. Yeah. So, But there's always the other side, which is people – there's a lot of credibility in print and books. So yeah. like we're working on a book as a company right now. Yeah. I mean it, it's still valuable, clearly, and you can yeah, still yeah. get insights. It's just – And there's a commitment eventually. involved with buying a book versus watching a YouTube video. Like when yeah. you buy a book, you're going to pay attention to it. You're going to – you know. Yeah. There's you something there too. You kind of have to, essentially. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned other like – masterminds type of things like yeah. are there any particular that you, you could mention or any sure. other yeah i'm just curious um, mastermind talks okay uh jason gennard that i went to my first one this year and it was impressive because he got i mean it, it was similar to ypo in the sense he gets people out of their sh- shell a little bit and get people to open up and talk about things and like you know everyone's hugging and it's sim- summit series is like this too i really like summit series it's gotten really big so it's a little harder to control but mastermind talks is like 170 people like it's not it's supposed to be he keeps it small intentionally yeah um you know depends what you're looking for baby bathwater is really good if you're in the you know kind of direct response marketing space and you want to like sell products and services and like info products things like that it's just a really good group of guys that really know that space really well i learned a lot about that space because my more come from like the brand like performance marketing but for brands not for like dr like it was really cool to hear some of what those guys are doing. Yeah. Um, YEC is awesome because it's a very light version of all these from an expense standpoint as well as a commitment <laughs> standpoint. Yeah. But like their Facebook group is one of the more valuable things in my business from the beginning. Like you have to do a million in revenue to join. Yeah. And so once I hit that, it was a year in. I joined. And like since then, like that network, it's one of those things where like there's people I've talked to and known in there for now four years that, you know, you've built. It, it's a community. It's a true community. And so and they keep you know people keep joining they keep nurturing and then you know it's it's really just trying different things and then doubling down on where you feel it most makes sense and then frankly you outgrow some of these too oh and, for sure you know why you see when i first joined was like god's gift to me because <laughs> i had just hit that bottom threshold of what everyone else was doing and i got a ton of help from them and then it got to a point where I was giving a lot of help which i still do i got an email today from someone in it that wants advice on marketing and do a ton of that 
but now I'm looking for that next, which was YPO. And YPO, in a lot of ways, is kind of the upper echelon of these things because it's been around for 50 years. They've got a really sought out process and they're really strict about who joins from a monetary standpoint and an employee count, et cetera. So, you know, when you're in it, like <laughs> you've hit a certain level yeah. and, and that helps when you're talking to people in it. And, and to that point too, like what, like how much time are you committing to like, those types of things like that learning, growing yeah. masterminds, you know, obviously you have your business, which you have to spend a lot of time on, but how much time or how do you decide on that just as it goes? I've pulled back a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. It was very helpful when networking was the biggest piece I needed to do. Um, but I, built a decent network that doesn't mean i'm stopping but like it's you know i that now i'm much more selective and a lot of the things i used to go to i send our team to so a lot of the like bigger networking events or conferences and trade shows and things and meetups i'll have someone senior on my team go uh i doing mastermind talks again next year already i'll still do some of the summit series stuff though again it's changed so it's different i used to go to everything <laughs> and you know now i but i mean and they did so much for me in my business and just personally like i love that community and so I'm not going anywhere but it's different and like this year the uh, la their big annual event happened to be in the same weekend as dia de los muertos which i was adamant about going on my bachelor party to dia de los muertos so in mexico City. priorities yeah so sent uh one of our senior guys who the the thing that's different there that i've seen is he went not knowing anyone so he met a billion people he loved it it was eye-opening he feels so lucky to be at hawk now like it was so much for him versus me where i'd go and i know so many people that i just go hang out with my buddies and like I just don't get as much out of it, which is self-inflicted, but it's like, I can't really ignore the people I already know and be like, yeah, yeah, good to see you, but I know you. I'm going to go talk to him. Right. But if someone's new to it, it helps with some of these, if networking's a part of it. Yeah. Um, but my, I'd say the core is YPO. Like, my yeah. group, my uh, forum in YPO that I meet with every month is amazing. My chapter, which is the Santa Monica, is a group of 80 people that I really admire. And so yeah. that's been big. And then I'm really starting to get into the Mastermind Talk group. Yeah, and that's all based, that organization Specifically, is based on revenue, and that's how you get into that one, essentially. The to YPO, YPO. YPO. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And employee count. And that one. Okay. Yeah, you have to have over 50 employees, I think it is. Okay, and employee count as well. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, you know, one of the things with, as you're growing this company and you're, you're moving forward, I wonder, how, like, how often or how frequently, I guess, yeah, do you step back to think about, like, the overall mission, overall plan for how you're going to grow it? Like, is that, like, a meetings with your company employees, certain ones, or is that you stepping back on the beach in Santa Monica? Like, you know, how does that work where yeah. you... It comes when I direction. don't expect it. It's usually I have to go on vacation or something, okay. sincerely. Like, I have to get out. Because um, day-to-day, I mean, I've, I was, you know, probably down to 20 emails before we started this conversation. I'm probably back up at 100. Like, <laughs> keeping up with the day-to-day stops you from doing it. So it takes me, like, stepping out. Like, frankly, Thanksgiving weekend coming up, I'll probably spend some time going, like, you know. But I, we have, what's nice is we have a current roadmap that I'm very confident in. So it's just, right now, it's more about executing. And then once we do it, then it's about reflecting. We're not really at an, we're growing really fast right now. It's not, we're not really at a reflection point. We just more, it's, we got to get these things done. Um, we're putting an offer out to bring on someone for corporate development. We're putting out an offer to bring on someone for opening New York for us. So things like that, that like we know are super important to the business. Yeah. And New York is just another office in New York. Yeah. Right. Okay. So do you have a time frame? I'm just curious. Probably six months or so. Six months. And, and to the point of like planning out ahead, like how how far ahead are you kind of looking when you had that roadmap? You know, so I have ideas, but no okay. commitments. So I next would be London and Shanghai. I'd love that to be in the next year, year and a half, but 
I know we, we thought by the end of this year we were going to be in London. Yeah. Um, but you realize that the, a lot of this, like, there's so many nuances. Like, you know, we haven't done any of this. So when we start to do it, we're like, oh, shit, that's right. All the tax implications <laughs> and all the other stuff that you have to deal with. Like, maybe we should hold off. We're not quite ready. And you never know. Like, if we have a booming success in the next six months and we have a ton of money in the bank and we can throw some cash to make mistakes, we'll do it. Yeah. If it's more like middle of the road and we're doing well but not crazy well, we'll probably take our time and do it right. And yeah. That's fine. Or, you know, we literally on my bachelor party a few weeks ago, I got a call with an agency that was selling in London that was a pretty sizable agency that just wanted the company that owned it wanted it off their books because they weren't profiting, but they weren't losing money. So it was like we could probably fix this very quickly and make it work. Right. And if I had bought that, well, there we are. We're in London. So it's a little bit, again, back to the reactionary thing. You just, you keep open to it, but have a general idea of what you want to do. And what's the, you obviously just want to keep growing and then having like fee in the ground at different places just helpful that, okay, that's the main. Yeah. A lot of people, I mean, we get clients all over the world, but a lot of people will, let's say we're the best. They will work with the second best if they're down the street because they just feel more comfortable. So having offices down the street is important. Go figure. Having actual real people there (laughs) is helpful in this digital digital age. We have so many clients (laughs) in LA that never come into the office, but the idea of us being here makes them feel more comfortable. People are emotional. They they hire us because they want a marketing savior. They don't hire us logically. So. Yeah, so it's good to have that safety blanket, knowing you're yeah. at least here. If they needed to see a real face, it's like, oh, here's Eric right here. Let's, yep. let's go chat with him. Okay, exactly. Makes sense. Uh, as we're kind of wrapping up here, um, one of the things I'm curious about, curious about, is there any like advice you'd have for like aspiring entrepreneurs or people trying to grow their businesses? Anything particular you would say to, to them, obviously, because you have so much experience growing businesses and everything. Anything you'd tell aspiring yep. entrepreneurs, yeah, growing business people? Uh, do it. Like, do just it. go and do it. Like. That no one's that smart. Don't sit around and think about it. Don't plan. Don't talk about it. Just go get shit done. Yeah. Like you, you know the the term. There's a lot of ways to say that, but like I heard, swing the bat because at some point you're going to connect. So yeah. keep trying. Keep actually executing because that's one thing. Is like I notice a lot of people talk about ideas and sit around for a long time, or they build a product but never go get a client. Like execute, get things done, check the next box on, and look at like what is the next step in my business. It's not that hard. Like get a product or service built go get a customer like a lot of people never get to that second step they don't even try they build a product and they walk around telling people they built a product but they never actually sign anyone up or get a customer so like that's literally getting started and then you start to learn and you start to grow and but it all starts with just like go do it yeah that makes sense uh where can people find you hear more about you uh yeah learn about hawk media every social media channel it's at or slash eric huberman e-r-i-k-h-u-b-e-r-m-a-n Perfect. Yep. And then uh, for anyone wondering, I guess, where are you looking to grow in terms of your, your team? If anyone's looking for different positions or whatever, like what's your uh, thought We there? list it all on the site. So any current job openings are on the site, but uh, we're pretty much consistently hiring across the board. So always opportunities. Always worth, yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you so much yeah. for the time today. No worries. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, please leave a rating review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.